0: Okay, Exodus 13, give everybody a chance to find that, just the first few verses. Those were all good songs tonight, thank you for picking those out for us. We talked about that tonight in class, it's good to sing songs that maybe we're not as familiar with, sometimes it helps us to pay a little more attention to the words and to the message. They're a little tougher at first sometimes, but it don't take long that we get them, and once we get them, we, we can sing out to them. Exodus 13, just kind of following up with right where we were at last week, we talked about Exodus, Exodus chapter 12 in pretty good detail last Sunday morning, and, and then kind of hit on it again this morning, uh, but uh, 13 just kind of follows along right after uh, those events took place. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 13, we'll start with verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, Consecrate every firstborn male to me, the firstborn from every womb among the Israelites, both man and domestic animal. It is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day when you came out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, for the Lord brought you out of here by the strength of his hand. Nothing leavened may be eaten. Today, in the month of Abib, you are leaving. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers that he would give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you must carry out this ritual in this month. For, excuse me, for seven days you must eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there is to be a f- festival to the Lord. Unleavened bread is to be eaten for those seven days." "'Nothing leaven may be found among you, "'and no yeast may be found among you "'in all your territory. "'On that day, explain to your son, "'This is because of what the Lord did for me "'when I came out of Egypt. "'Let it serve as a sign for you on your hand "'and as a reminder on your forehead "'so that the Lord's instructions may be in your mouth. "'For the Lord brought you out of Egypt "'with a strong hand.' Keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and gives it to you, you are to present to the Lord every firstborn male of the womb. All firstborn offspring of the livestock you own that are males will be the Lord's. You must redeem every firstborn of a donkey with a flock animal, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. However, you must redeem every firstborn among your sons. In the future, when your son asks you, What does this mean? Say to him, By the strength of his hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the place of slave slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn man of the firstborn to the firstborn live of livestock. That is why I sacrifice to the Lord all the firstborn of the womb that are males, but I redeem all the firstborn of my sons. So let it be a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead, for the Lord brought us out of Egypt by the strength of his hand. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and I thank you for these words and I pray that you help us not to not to miss the importance of of what's being shared here, dear Lord, not just in a in a sense of what went on in those days, but God in our own life spiritually. God help us to see the bigger picture of what your word is talking about in these events that the Israelites were holding to, dear Lord, the things that you commanded them to. God, help us to see how they apply to us. So, God, I pray that you hide me behind the cross. Just let the Holy Spirit uh, speak through me to these people tonight. God, I pray that you just would humble my pride, and I pray that you just would work through me tonight, dear Lord. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Now, these things kind of repeat some of the stuff that we've been familiar with uh, that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, and that is a, a remembrance. God wanted the people of Israel to remember what had been done. He wanted that to be passed down through generations after generations, and obviously it has been because we're still talking about it here tonight. And these events that God did for the Israelites, he did not want them to forget where they had came from and what he had did and how he had miraculously delivered them through all of the plagues that took place, through the crossing of the Red Sea and all of the things that God would do for them along this journey to the promised land, he did not want them to forget what had taken place. Now there's a couple of things we're just gonna kind of look at in these, this passage tonight. The first of which uh, comes from the first verse or two there. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, consecrate every firstborn male to me, the firstborn from every womb among the Israelites, both man and domestic animal, it is mine. So here we see that God is saying that these things need to be consecrated to him. There was to be a sacrifice that was to be offered from the first of the animals and the first of the human beings, but not, not in the sense that the human ch- children were going to be sacrificed or killed to, to be given to the Lord. So we don't want to make that misunderstanding. Now, he clarifies that at the end of this of this passage here, we see pretty clearly that it's the animals who are to be sacrificed to the Lord, but the sons are to be redeemed. Now, God spells that out in pretty good detail uh, in Leviticus chapter 12, I believe is where that is, where, where he gives these instructions on what is supposed to happen. And that is a firstborn male child is supposed to be dedicated. Maybe that be, it might be a better word for us that we kind of understand in our culture, is to be dedicated to the Lord. Case in point, we see this spelled out uh, in Jesus Christ himself. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 2, you can. If not, just listen carefully, and we will see this carried out by Jesus' uh, parents here. The same command that God gave for the Jewish uh, people to uh, do back in this day, uh, and again, more detail to that in Leviticus chapter 12, if you want to go back and read it, we see the very thing happening to Jesus upon his birth. Luke chapter 2, verse 21 When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law, Of the Lord a pair of turtle doves are two... Young pigeons. So when God is talking about uh, dedicating or consecrating the firstborn son, He's not talking about offering them as sacrifice, which we see some of the other people uh, that the Israelites encounter. They do that very thing, but God does not tell the Israelites to kill their firstborn son, but rather to dedicate them to the Lord. And that's what we see Jesus' parents do. They are fulfilling what God had commanded way back in these laws that He had given to the Israelites. Now, let's kind of shift our focus to something a little different uh, in this text. If you go down a little further, verse 13, it says this, You must redeem every firstborn of a donkey with a flock animal. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. However, you must redeem every firstborn among your sons. Now, that seems kind of like an odd verse if you just kind of, pluck that verse out by itself. What in the world is this verse talking about? Why are we talking about a donkey, and what significance does this have? Well, I think in the grander picture, as we begin to look at Scripture as a whole, and in particular, as we begin to look in the book of Leviticus, we see God spell out some, some commands for the people of Israel, and there is some distinctions that are made, and that is between what is clean and what is unclean. And that's what we're seeing here when this talks about a donkey. Now, we're, we're, we're talking about physical things that happened back then, but like we talked about this morning, we're trying to look at the spiritual lesson that I believe God is trying to teach us and his children Israel through these things. Now, God had, had, uh, had told the Israelites that there were some animals that were to be considered clean and some that were to be considered unclean. Now, you can find that in Leviticus chapter 11. You can read both those chapters and kind of get an idea of of some of these things that we're talking about tonight. But God spelled out to them the things that were clean and the things that were unclean. Uh, The things that were clean, one of those things that God says was it needs to be an animal that chews the cud and that has a split hoof. It has to have both of those things. Another was a a clean uh, fish must be a fish that has fins and scales. And so, for instance, uh, white perch would fit that that category, but catfish would not. And so, God spelled out for them in great detail about animals, about fish, about insects, (coughs) excuse me, about what they were supposed to eat and what they were not supposed to eat. Now, when it came to sacrificing to the Lord, it was the clean animals that must be sacrificed. God wanted the best of the best. We see that with Cain and Abel. It says that uh, Cain brought God some of his his fruits, but that Abel brought the best of the best to the Lord. He brought some of the first. He brought the best. And so we kind of see this idea even as early as Cain and Abel. And we see that kind of mentioned and alluded to here. Now, we don't have a great detail given here when it talks about the donkey and the, and the lamb of the flock or, or the sacrifice being made to redeem the donkey or the donkey must die. But we do see that spelled out in great detail in other spots of the text. Now, I know that, that, that God didn't reveal that to Moses, at least I'm not aware of it, I may have just missed it, but I don't believe God has revealed that to his people before the point that he is going to as he gives them the law. But we know that God at least put knowledge of that in people's heart because we have the story of Noah and the ark. And God told Noah when he put the animals on the ark to bring two of the unclean and seven of the clean, or it could be seven pairs of the clean. The, the, the Hebrew there is, uh, is kind of difficult to, to understand. But there was a certain amount of the unclean that was supposed to be brought, but a larger amount of the clean that was supposed to be brought. Now you can read that uh, in Genesis chapter 7, verse 2. Let's, I'll flip there and we'll read it. Genesis chapter 7, verse 2, where God gives him the command. We'll just read verse 1 just for good measure. Genesis 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. You are to take with you seven pairs, a male and its female, of all the clean animals, and two of the animals that are not clean, a male and its female. So even though the law had not been given, obviously God had revealed to his people, at least to Noah, if no one else, the animals that were clean and unclean. Now, the next question is, why would God tell Noah to do that? Why would he say bring two unclean but seven or seven pairs of the clean? Well, my thought and theory on that is is for offering to the Lord because we see Noah do that. In chapter 8, after all these things take place, what does Noah do? He offers an offering to the Lord. As we see from the law, when God demands an offering or requires an offering of the people, it is to be of a clean animal. If God would have only sent two of the clean animals, a male and female, and Noah and his family, when they were offering offerings to the Lord, would have killed those animals before they had time to reproduce, then those animals could not have reproduced. I believe that the reason why God said to send seven or seven pairs of the clean animals was for sacrificial purposes, was for offering and dedication to the Lord. And I think we see that uh, carried out here in these verses that we're looking at in Exodus. And so we see some examples of that, uh, of Noah, in the book of Genesis. Now, if you want to flip to Acts chapter 10, I know we're covering a lot of scriptures this morning and, and tonight, but I think it's important for us to kind of see where these things come from so we understand them since we're covering kind of, kind of deep topics Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. Now, this is a vision that that God reveals to Peter, and it has to do with what is clean and what is unclean. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. The next day, as they were traveling and nearing the city, Peter went up to pray on the housetop about noon. Then he became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he went into a visionary state. He saw heaven opened and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now listen to Peter's response here. No, Lord, Peter said... For I have never eaten anything common and ritually unclean. Peter was saying, God, I have followed what you commanded. Way back when that we see in the Old Testament and Leviticus and those other books, Peter is saying, God, I have never eaten anything unclean. I have stuck to what your word said. And then he says in verse 15, again, a second time, a voice said to him, what God has made clean, you must not call common. This happened three times and then the object was taken up. Into heaven. Now, there's the key point that I think God is bringing out to Peter here, and he's talking about the difference between Jews and Gentiles. I believe, in the context of what's going on, God is saying, look, don't look down and treat the Gentiles differently, don't look at them as unclean or lesser people. But i also believe that what god is saying here is that in this instance he is revealing to peter that look those things have, that were once unclean have been made clean by jesus christ and i believe that to be what the text says if that's not the case then we are in trouble and we need to dig a little deeper because a lot of the things we eat would fall into the unclean category but i believe through jesus christ we are freed from those things of, of, of the Old Testament, at least in, in, in that aspect, and we are free to eat catfish, so to speak, or things that come in a shell, or other things that are on that list. And so here we kind of see in the New Testament talking about the same thing, but we see kind of a, a shift in the focus from what was unclean that is now clean. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. If you want to go ahead and flip there, you can, and we will get there, Ephesians 1, 7. And you can hold a finger there if you want to. Keep your finger in Exodus. <clears throat> this new Bible I got, it's got these little finger tabs, and it always turns right to where I don't want it to turn. <laughs> but it's all right. We're going we're gonna to make it through. All right, so in the text in Exodus, it says, You must redeem every firstborn of a donkey with a flock animal, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. However, you must redeem every firstborn among your sons. Now, what this was saying here when it talks about the donkey, the donkey would have been considered an unclean animal. And therefore, everything that was unclean, a sacrifice had to be made for it. A sacrifice of something that was clean and something that was worthy had to be sacrificed on behalf of that which was unclean. And that's what the text is saying here. Those things that are unclean, not just the donkey, but those things that are unclean, a sacrifice must be made on its behalf or else death must occur. If you can't make a sacrifice for the unclean, the donkey in this case, then death must occur, the death of the donkey. Now, as we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, boy, we see sprinklings of Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. (coughs) And isn't that exactly the same thing that happens for us? The same standard that God had put in place for the Israelites way back when, when he was dealing with clean animals and unclean animals, were pointing toward Jesus Christ and were ultimately pointing toward something spiritual. Now, I know he's talking about animals in a physical sense here in the Old Testament, but it was pointing us forward to something in a spiritual sense. We talked about that two weeks ago with the lamb. When we see the reference of the lamb in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 12, that is pointing us toward Jesus. We see uh, John, when he sees Jesus uh, in Revelation, he refers to him as being uh, like a lamb who was slaughtered. And so we see these things being tied together. They're they're physical things that God teaches us, but they bring us to a spiritual spot. And that's what was going on with these kind of maybe odd-sounding commands. It doesn't make sense when all of a sudden we're reading about being freed from Egypt, and all of a sudden there's something about a donkey in there and a sacrifice to be made. These things are pointing us to the spiritual truth that I believe God wants us to get from the things that have happened, not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. And what these things are pointing to are you and I. Now, we're not animals. We're not, we're not separated by animals. But I'll tell you what we are. We are all unclean. We're all unclean because of our sinfulness. And when we encounter any kind of sin, we are made unclean. And there was some serious stuff, the the laws and and what you were supposed to do. If someone was made unclean in the Old Testament, they essentially had to separate themselves from the other people. There were all these things that had to be done. It's not that they stayed unclean forever. They could be redeemed by sacrifice or whatever it took, whatever the requirement was. But the fact is, is that when you are made unclean, there has to be some way that you are redeemed and you are restored. And every one of us, we are sinners. We are made unclean because of our actions, because of the things that we, that we, that we think on in our hearts, the things that we say, the things that we do, the things that we think that we, that we don't do, but even the things in our hearts that just, even Jesus would say those things make us just as guilty of sin, and we are just as unclean. You know, and we have the same choice that, that, we, that we see here in this text. There's the same options, I guess, that what we see here in the text. That is, the unclean, unclean animal either had to die and pay the price for being unclean or something clean could be sacrificed and given on its behalf. And praise the Lord that God didn't just say, I'm gonna kill them all. I'm going to twist their necks. I'm going to kill them all because they are unclean. Praise the Lord. God, in his own instruction, he laid out the plan. And in his own instruction, he didn't say, I'm just going to do away with all of you unclean, unfit, unworthy people. Instead, he said, I'm going to send Jesus Christ to be the the, the clean animal, to be the clean person, so to speak, in this case, uh, to be the clean one on our behalf so that we may be forgiven. And I believe that's what God's word is pointing us to. That's the deeper spiritual sense of what's being taken place. When God puts these laws and these things into effect, it may seem odd whenever we read them in the Old Testament. Let's try to look at it as the big picture of all that God is trying to teach us, of all the things that Jesus teaches and the disciples teach and Paul teaches. And when we look at these things as a whole, I think we see what God's intent and God's purpose was. And we don't need to miss the spiritual point here. That we are unclean and we are in need of a perfect, redemptive lamb to be slain on our behalf. And that lamb is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. We have redemption in him through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Now that spells it out right there. If blood has to be spilled, as the Bible says it does, if blood has to be spilled, if, 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 the price, if the wrath of God has to be fulfilled through a death, Jesus Christ has fulfilled that, and we are redeemed through his blood on the cross. And Ephesians 1, 7 spells that out to us. One more verse for you guys tonight. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 10. If you want to turn there, Leviticus 10, verse 10. Leviticus 10, 10. You must distinguish between the holy and the common and the clean and the unclean. You know, those words to Israel are just as good for us. We need to distinguish what is good and what is bad, what is holy and what is unholy, what is righteous and what is sinful. And we need to distinguish those things in our life. And when we see those things in our life and we realize, whoa, that's a sinful thing that should not be there, we need to be able to distinguish between those things and we need to realize that Jesus is the one who can clean us up and we need to go to him for forgiveness of sins and we need to ask him to forgive us. We need to repent of what we're doing and we need to accept that he is the perfect lamb that was slain for the redemption of our sins and our souls and that it's a pretty good deal for us. That, that's worthy of praise to the Lord because we don't deserve it, but praise Jesus that he gave everything so we could be forgiven. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your words tonight As we as we look at this stuff that may seem kind of gnarly to us as we talk about clean and unclean, dear Lord. Help us not to not to miss the point. Help us not to miss the bigger picture, dear Lord. And we thank you for these words that you gave to your, 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 your people of Israel. And we thank you that we can study from the things that you did in their lives, God, but help us to learn about the things you can do in our life, dear Lord. Help us to see our uncleanliness. Help us to be ever reminded of the sacrifice that has to be given on our behalf, God. And we thank you that we know that Jesus Christ is that sacrifice, God. And I pray that you help us never forget the significance of that, the importance of that, dear Lord, and I pray that you just would uh, help us to be able to distinguish between what is righteous and what is sinful and what is holy and what is unholy, dear Lord, so that we can uh, strive to grow in you, dear Lord God, and not strive to grow in these things of sin that are going to bring us down. But God, uh, help us to grow in you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.